This CKNW podcast for AIM Medical Imaging, home of AIM Medical Imaging full body MRI scanning. A family history of medical issues is nothing to ignore. Book a preventative screening at aimmedicalimaging.com. You are live with Get Connected. Andy Barrar here filling in for the one, the only Mike Agabo, who is on a spring break vacation with the family. I'm joined in studio with AJ Vickery. AJ, how you doing? Good to see you, Andy. Yes, we have a excellent show for you today. Later on, we're going to go open line, take your tech questions and calls, or maybe you need some buying advice. Well, give us a ring. Make sure you get a pen and paper. We'll give those numbers to you shortly. We're also going to be talking to a cool Canadian company that's making a food scanner. Now, imagine this. You're about to eat something, and you take this portable scanner, and you scan your plate, and suddenly it tells you how many calories are in it. How many carbs, proteins, fats, minerals, vitamins, you name it. This is what they're putting out, and we're going to learn all about this later on in the show. But first off, AJ, lots of tech news this week. Google announcing Android Wear, which basically is their Android operating system being customized for smartwatches. Did you hear about this? I did, yeah. And, you know, I'm a big big Google fan. I've been running Android uh, phones pretty much... uh, pretty much since they've come out and uh, and each uh, operating system for the android device has gotten better and better now with kitkat being the most recent release i gotta say like i've had some opportunity to play with that and it's been it's been an awesome operating system for the phone now seeing it moving into the wearable is really cool we're starting to see all these different manufacturers come out with these different things like watches that interact with your mobile device well, currently there are smartwatches out there. I know Samsung has created the Galaxy Gear Watch, and yep. they're on their second version this year. And Sony as well has yep. a smartwatch, and they're on their second version. But those are using the current Android operating system. And what this Android wears, what's different about it is that it's going to be pretty much all voice-controlled. So you'll basically be able to look at your watch and say, what's the score in the Canucks game? And it will tell you that information because it makes kind of sense, you know, the, by virtue of having such a small screen, you can't have that same operating system that you would have on your smartphone. Well, what I like about this news is they've also partnered with uh, LG to help design some of the uh, the devices, the actual hardware that's gonna uh, that you're gonna wear, <laughs> if I can say that. And uh, LG, I mean, they've sort of come out of. Uh, in my opinion, sort of come from behind to to launch some really cool devices. I know that uh, Google partnered with them for the for the Nexus uh, phone, which is the current version of the Nexus in the market today. Uh, beautiful device, oh, again, yes. beautiful phone. I had a chance to try out a couple of them, and uh, uh, but now they're LG is partnered to design the the wearables as well. I think for these smartwatches to take off, one of the issues I've had, I've had to try both the Galaxy Gear and the Sony smartwatch. Yeah, and the problem with them is that they, you have to charge them almost every night, just like your smartphone. So you kind of have to get in that habit of charging your phone. If they can do something so you can get a couple of days' worth yeah. of battery power, I think more and more people will adopt them. Because one problem I had is I would charge it, and then I'd forget it at home. And so it took me a while to start to review this because I had to get in the habit of taking <laughs> yeah. it off, charging it, and then putting it back on. Uh, every morning. So that's going to be a, one of the challenges. Well, the things that's bugged me um, about the devices as well, the, the the I guess essentially we're talking about watches here that now are interacting with your mobile phone. Um, they, they're trying to figure out like what to put in them, right? So, so for example, there's a digital camera in the, um, in the Galaxy. Galaxy. Camera. Yeah. Now, that camera's terrible. It's horrible. <laughs> and, you know, I don't think, I can't really think of any real situations where you're going to be taking a photo, essentially one that you're going to keep, um, 
with your watch in that particular case. Not only that, it's kind of creepy when you think about it. Yeah. <laughs> you know, do you want people taking pictures of you through yeah. their watch? Yeah. Uh, that was one of the things. And another thing that Samsung made when they created the Galaxy Gear watch is it's kind of closed in their own ecosystem. So it only works with Samsung smartphones, whereas the Sony one, their smartwatch 2, mm -hmm. is open to any Android phone. And I think for it to take off, there's so many different Android devices out there. They need to keep it open so that everybody can that's in that Android ecosystem could use that watch. Well, wearable is definitely the next uh, the next thing to keep your eyes out for. I think watches are an obvious place to start. I think glasses. Um, you know, we all know about Google Glass and whatnot, and so I think that's the the next big piece of wearable technology. It's interesting. I think uh, everybody's really waiting to see what Apple's going to do. It's been a while since they've released something that's a game changer. You know, after Steve Jobs had passed away, they've really uh, just kind of made incremental improvements to the iPhone and the iPad. They actually created the iPad mini, but they need a new device, I think, to get people excited again. And there's a lot of talk about an iWatch coming up. And the question is, how is it going to be different between the iWatch and, say, the Android watches. Well, you're saying the uh, gold iPhone's not a game changer? <laughs> <laughs> it was a big hit, though. But the, the 5S um, didn't really resonate in, in the marketplace as much as... Or the 5C, sorry. Yeah. Didn't resonate. The, the lower model uh, iPhone yeah. wasn't as popular. People still wanted the premium device. When they think of an iPhone, they think of it as a premium smartphone. I think you described it well with incremental changes. You know, they haven't really put their neck out there um, to, to change anything big. Now, the rumors of the 6, bigger screen, I mean, I think a lot of people are expecting that. But I think coming out with a watch, uh, that could be cool. Speaking of Android smartphones, I know um, earlier this year I was at a Deloitte event, and they were saying that phablets, these, these phone-tablet hybrids, uh, we're going to take off this year. And I noticed that you're using the Samsung um, Note 3. Yeah. What, what do you think about that? Um, bit too big, you know, like to be honest with you. Um, I don't think that you need uh, the screen to be that big. Uh, like I thought to myself, you know what? A bigger screen is going to give me an opportunity to have a bigger keyboard. You know, I've got big hands. It's going to give me an opportunity to sort of make less mistakes when I'm typing or for those people who are kind of used to a real keyboard moving to the on-screen keyboard, having the bigger screen might be nice. Uh, looking at pictures or, or surfing web, um, all that stuff, you got a bigger screen, right? Um, I'm starting to notice that I think I need to get some glasses. <laughs> but uh, I'm noticing that, uh, you know, um, I thought that maybe with the bigger screen, it would be easier to sort of surf uh, the sites as well. But I got to be honest with you, um, I don't know if the phablet's just gone a little bit too far, you know? I mean, it's almost kind of funny to see the size of the phone in my hand when, when, when you're holding it. Yeah, it's uh, interesting. So the Note 3 that you have right there is 5.7 inches. Yeah. Most smartphones right now are coming around the 5-inch mark, especially on the Android side. Yeah. They Believe it or not, they are even bigger. Sony has the, the uh, Sony Xperia Ultra, which is like 6.7 inches. Yeah. And also Samsung has the Galaxy Mega, which is in that 6. And there was a company in China that made a 7-inch smartphone. Yeah. Like seven, inch, that's a that's a pretty much a, a small tablet that you're walking around with. Honestly, I think I think something needs to change if if because I get it. It's like carrying around a mini iPad or something. You've got you've got a great screen for doing so many things other than making phone calls. It's when you hold this giant seven inch screen up to the side of your face to make a phone call where it looks kind of silly and it doesn't really. It's not really ergonomic. So I think the big. Uh, thing needs to be wearable tech. So what's the thing that's going to go in your ear so you don't look like that guy who's got the thing in his ear? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know? but, uh, but I don't know if you saw the movie Her. 
um, one of the the movies that was uh, nominated for um, Oscars. But anyway, uh, they the in that movie um, it was a future prediction of future, and it was about artificial intelligence. But they were wearing an inner ear device that was essentially looked like a hearing aid, and it was very um, it wasn't. Uh, extremely noticeable. Yes. And I think if we can get to the point where we've got something like uh, a hearing aid that is actually the way that we can actually have a phone call conversation, then I think carrying the phablet or tablet with the telephony built into it is going to f- fly. Yeah, they, they, it's very productive uh, to have that that screen size. But you, again, you don't want to be holding this big thing to your ear because it, it still looks kind of funny. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, We're going to have to take a break. When we come back, we're going to be talking to a Canadian company that is making the world's first consumer food scanner. Believe it or not, this we got to figure this out because this almost seems like magic. (laughs) You scan your food, and it's going to tell you how many calories and carbohydrates, protein is in it, and then take that information and reel it to your smartphone into an app. You're listening to Get Connected, brought to you by London Drugs here on the Chorus Radio Network. We'll be back right after this. You're back with Get Connected. Andy Barrar here filling in for Mike Agarbo, and I'm joined in studio with AJ Vickery. Imagine this. You're about to eat a meal, and then you grab a portable scanner, and you scan your food to see how many calories, fat, and nutrition is in it, and that information gets relayed to your smartphone. Well, joining us right now is Isabel Hoffman. She's the founder and CEO of Telspec. Isabel, are you there? Yes, I am. Hi, how are you? We're great. You know, Isabel, I, I heard about this food scanner that you're going to be putting out later this year. Can you tell us, the listeners, and just give the, the Reader's Digest version of, of what this is? Well, it's really a spectrometer uh, for the consumer that scans your food and sends information to your phone about what is in your food exactly, from the calories to carbohydrates to uh, fat, as well as different uh, potential toxins and uh, um, and ingredients that you may or may not want to avoid uh, in your food. So it keeps you healthy. This sounds almost too good to be true. It's almost like magic. Can, talk about the technology. How is this working? How does it can look at the or scan the food and understand what's inside it? Well, the, the, the technology behind it is actually spectroscopy. So this has been in existence for over 80 years. Uh, we've used, we use it in pharmaceutical companies. We use it in to test foods uh, in large laboratories. Uh, but what we've done that is very unique is we brought it into a minute far format, a handheld device, that users now can actually have it in their hands. The consumer can have it in their hands. And it's no longer a magic uh, or some secret that uh, large uh, companies will have, but the consumer can have. So the, the technology itself is not new. It's the miniaturization and the computation involved to actually de- decipher what is in the food that is unique to us. So, Isabel, let me just ask, um, is it, does it actually, like, scan the food, try to recognize what it is, compare it with a database of what those, those items are, and then look up, look up the info that's in it? Or, does it actu- or, or is that not how it works? Uh, it's uh, partly. Uh, we actually filed a patent. So there is a, a portion of our technology that does do re- uh, reference uh, and uh, check with an existing database, but there is also another part of the technology that actually is detecting directly what it sees and recognizes it. Of course, from, from a, a, say, for instance, we're detecting salt, it recognizes because it already knows how the salt looks like in terms of its emission of light. 
through the spectrum, okay? So it has a, comp- it has a portion of recognition and then a portion that is direct uh, recognition or identification of the food. So it's not so simple to explain because, in fact, our pattern is like an 85-page pattern, which yeah. you certainly don't want to read. Neither do our users want to read. No, but it, it, it's both. Now, is this, does it scan raw foods, or could this be cooked food, like, uh, say, you're just about to eat a meal, and you're kind of curious, you know, is this going to be healthy for me or not? And can you just scan over it and then get the, the data into your smartphone? That's correct, both. Both raw and, 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 and food that is cooked. And we intend by next year to have also the, the ability to look at if the food is damaged or not damaged before you actually eat. So besides calories, carbohydrates, and ingredients, is this food past you? Can I eat it? Wow. <laughs> Can yeah. it tell you if it tastes good? <laughs> <laughs> and eventually we will do GMO. Yeah. Um, does the food have GMO? <laughs> so, so currently it doesn't tell you if it's been genetically modified food right now? But... Uh, no, currently we have not tested. It's not because we actually don't have uh, an idea how we would do it. We're just trying to focus into steps because as it is, it's pretty hard to bring into the market something as complex as this. Uh, so GMO has been put aside as, you know, yes, theoretically we know how we should do this, but let's not do it yet. So the, both the GMO and the freshness will not come in version one, uh, but we have plans for version two to have that. Interesting. So, so walk us through a scenario um, of how you see, um, uh, you know, sort of like a target customer of this using it. Well, I, I mean, say for instance, me, I'm particularly not very interested in calories or carbohydrates. I eat very healthy. Uh, I eat a lot of food that is, you know, not that processed, that much processed, but I'm very concerned about neurotoxins, those toxins that actually uh, cause uh, Parkinson's or Alzheimer's. Uh, there's a link. There's a lot of studies that link exposure to pesticides to this uh, neurological disorder. So I would be... Uh, scanning my food to see if certain amounts of certain pesticides linked to um, to these disorders are in my is in my food, and I may not know exactly what the pesticides are, but Telspec uh, app also informs the user. So we have a component which we call Telspecopedia that actually tells the user, well, you fo- we found this pesticide, or you're likely to have this pesticide in that food, and by the way, this pesticide is linked to this health issues hmm. um, okay so so there is a component of um, of education which is really important this is for me my users but I, we predict that the bulk of the people that will use telspec will be diabetic pre-diabetic hmm. or obese people that want to track down and uh, their calories and their carbohydrates yeah what about like wheat allergies or something like that Yes, a lot of people that have approaches and pre-bought the scanners, people are buying our scanners in our site, a lot of them are actually the gluten uh, groups. Mm. Um, but we have to be more careful because we actually, this is not a medical device. This is a device to help the consumer. So do not stop using your you know, usual things that you'd normally do to avoid those allergens. Right. Um, it's just to give you, you know, more confidence that you may not have that allergen. So if I'm in a restaurant, um, I would literally pull this out of my wallet or jacket or something like that, and I would I would just start scanning? Yes, uh, it, it would be uh, small enough uh, that you can carry it in your keychain. Uh, yes, and some restaurants, in fact, you know, we, we've been talking with several chefs. Uh, some restaurants actually say, we're going to have this in our kitchen, and we're going to have this for anyone that walks into the door because... Uh, the last thing we want to know is that someone is having an allergic reaction or is not happy with the food served 
um, uh, before they buy it or after they buy it and they consumed it. This is a nightmare in the kitchen. So, yes, restaurants will have it. Supermarkets may have it as well. Uh, people will carry them in their wallets. And hopefully uh, we build a greener and healthier food uh, world. I mean, after all, we are what we eat, right? So um, hopefully we'll stop, um, we'll stop the unnecessary non-nutritional uh, additives in our food that are causing a lot of cancers and a lot of uh, neurological disorders out there. Isabel, when is this going to be coming on to the market? So we, the beta testers uh, are receiving um, the, the unit on Q2 this year, and our aim is to be in the market by the end of Q4 this year. So uh, it's always happening this year. <laughs> Well, if you need some more beta testers, I think AJ and I uh, will be open game for, for doing that. It sounds fascinating uh, technology. Where do people go for more information about this uh, food scanner that you're putting together? Of course, our site, telspec.com. Uh, we are selling the units there. I think we put a stop on the beta testers because we just couldn't handle There was just too many people yeah, pre-ordering <laughs> this. So I'm sorry, I, I, I can't help you on that one. Uh, but yes, our site, definitely on our site, they can get all the information. And do you have a price point of how much it's going to cost when it's coming out they, to the market? Probably likely uh, uh, between four to $500 um, with options for subscriptions uh, to pay that. Um, but right now we're pre-selling them at 325 Isabel, I want to thank you for coming on the show. What was the website once again? Telspec, T-E-L-L-S-P-E-C.com. That was Elizabeth Hoffman. She's the founder and CEO of Telspec, creating the world's first consumer food scanner. And the great thing about this, AJ, it's a Canadian company as well. This sounds remarkable. Very interesting. Yeah, I mean, I think that I'm going to be uh, – I don't think I want to have one of those when I sit down at the bar to eat poutine. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> We're going to open the phone lines now. Any tech questions, concerns, or need you buying advice, give us a call if you're in the Lower Mainland area, 604-280-9898. Anywhere, toll-free across Canada, 1-877-399-9898. Give us a call if you have any tech questions, concerns, or you need buying advice. You're listening to Get Connected, brought to you by London Drugs, here on the Chorus Radio Network. We'll be back right after this. You're back with Get Connected. Andy Barrar here, filling in for Mike Agarbo, joined in studio with AJ Vickery. We've got an open line now, so we're going to take your tech questions and calls. If you're in the Lower Mainland area, the number, 604-280-9898. Anywhere across Canada, toll-free, 1-877-399-9898. Let's jump to the phone lines first. We got Barbara. Barbara, are you there? Oh, hi. Uh, hi, Andy and AJ. Here's a question you probably don't encounter too often. <laughs> now, I'm not really into the smartphones, but I want to get something that is portable, uh, I can use on the fly. Now, are people still using pagers? Pagers? Yeah, I, I'm also concerned about, you know, the brain tumors, the output of of the, the modern cell phones, and then the tracking and the NSA and the hoovering of the metadata, so the whole thing, but I want something that's mobile, possibly like a keyboard, and I'm thinking, I'm wondering, uh, is pager, would that be an option? It's an excellent question. You know, it's been a long time since uh, I had a pager. AJ, did you ever, did you ever have one? Uh, nope. Nope? <laughs> <laughs> well, the one thing that I really liked about pagers back in the day is that you knew somebody wanted to get in contact with you, and then you could get in contact with them at your earliest convenience. 
AJ, with smartphones these days, you know, if, if, if someone calls you and you don't answer it, they get mad at you and they don't really know what you're doing. You might be busy doing something else. So exactly. that, that was the benefit of pagers. I know in the medical community, pagers are still popular. Ah. Doctors, you know, they're working 24 hours a day. And right. so they need to be able to uh, get a hold of. So I know that they will still use pagers. I haven't seen one in a long, long time. I don't even know where you would go to get it. I don't know if TELUS or Rogers and Bell would would still have that service, but uh, it's an excellent question. If anyone out there is using a pager, give us a call and let us know what you use it for to see. Uh, that's an old technology that uh, kind of disappeared once the smartphones took off. Okay, we're going to jump to the phone lines. We got Malcolm in Richmond. Malcolm, how are you doing? Good morning, guys. Uh, I just wanted to ask you what you thought of the HP Google Chromebook, which is advertised in part in the movie theaters. That's an excellent question. Chromebooks, if you don't know, they're, they look like laptops, but they're running what's called Chromium, and that's basically the Google Chrome browser. So you don't get the Office suite. You don't get any other kind of software. It's basically just the browser. And uh, it's fantastic in, when you look at the price point and if you just need to get online. Yeah, I think so. And then there's also tools that uh, work inside of Gmail, which can be great for word processing. You know, um, They've got all sorts of like Word and, and spreadsheets and whatnot. So there's a big opportunity to use the Chromebook. I think it's a cost uh, factor. You know, like It's not going to be the type of device that you want to buy if your intention is to get into any serious gaming. Yes. You know, I think that um, if you're doing any kind of computing, whether it be video editing or uh, photo manipulation, those are the sorts of things that require the beefier processors, right? The, the, and, the, and this is the reason why we start to look at laptops um, as computers that are really good for for uh, processing intensive and also storage intensive stuff. But if you just want to surf the web, do some basic emails. Banking, uh, online some, banking. Online banking, do some basic... Um, social media. Social media. Even even word processing and a few of those other things are not a problem because there's online applications that allow you to do that. Then that's that's the sweet spot for Chromium. I think it's a great tool uh, in education. I think it's a great uh, tool for people that uh, don't want to shell out a thousand bucks to buy a laptop. And another thing uh, about Chromebooks, and we did this on our TV shows, we took an old laptop that was a couple years old that was barely running, and we put Chromium on it and turned it into a Chromebook and pretty much brought life back to that laptop. Yeah, that's that, a good point. That otherwise we would have never used. And it's great for if you're going to have a hand-me-down, if you're going to give a, a child maybe their first computer and they just need to get online access, taking an old la laptop, taking them to a Chromium is, is one way to go. Or like he said, the HP ones, they retail for about 300 to $350, yeah. which is a great price point to get online. So um, it's funny because Netbooks was – that we don't see that as much anymore. That's right. But essentially, Netbook is sort of the evolution of what Chromebook is. You know? And Ultrabooks as well. And Ultrabooks as well. So, so, But the Netbooks were running like simple baseline operating systems in order to um, allow for lower processors and, and, and less um, sort of like intensive machines to, to still have a good user experience. Now, I would say that most of the people that I've talked to don't um, haven't really loved the netbook. It'd be interesting to see if people still have them today and are still using them. Um, be interesting to hear from you about that as well. But um, but you know Chromebook's that next evolution, and I think the operating system from Google um, is is really the thing that kind of has put that back on the map. 
The biggest issue I had with netbooks was the screen size. Like there wasn't not much real estate there for you to work with, yeah. and it was using the Intel Atom processor, so you didn't have power, you didn't have screen size, mm. but you had that portability. And so a lot of people were buying them. But then when Ultrabooks came on, yeah. these ultra portable, ultra fast laptops that were super thin, like you know, if you look at the MacBook Air, that yeah. pretty much created that entire Ultrabook category once Apple had released that. Sure. But Ultrabook's kind of in that higher price category. You're looking at $2,500 sort of thing for an Ultrabook. I think, I think the lowest price you can get an Ultrabook is around 700 but then they go up depending. You can get an i7 processor in an Ultrabook, which is you know, really lots of power yeah. for something that is in such a small form factor. Hmm. Okay, we're going to jump to the phone lines once again. we got another Malcolm in North Van. Malcolm, are you there? Yes, I am. Hi. I, just wanted, I had a pager when I was in sales, and it cut my phone bill in half. Yeah. Yeah. What would happen is customers would phone in and they'd leave me a message. So I'd phone back in and I'd retrieve the message and then phone them back and they'd tell me the story all over again. When they could just leave me a 10 second message saying, you know, this is my phone number, give me a call. My phone bill went in half. Yeah. I wonder if text has replaced pagers, you know, like I'm just trying to think of of that same usability um, not being because I agree with you. The phone bill can can be. Um, a painful thing if you're using a lot of minutes or you don't have a plan that includes a lot. So right. Anyway, that's what, that was my experience with it. And mm. Telus had them, and they probably still do. Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure they still. There's There's got to be a market still for, for pagers, but it, you make a great point. And another thing is we've seen with smartphones is a lot of people aren't talking as much as they used to because you have all these other options for texting, SMS, and group chats on like WhatsApp or, or BBM. So what you see – and and the carriers will tell you this too, is that people are talking less and less because we have so many other ways of communicating. Well, we're going to have to take a break. When we come back, we're going to take more of your calls. The numbers again, 604-280-9898. Anywhere toll-free across Canada, 1-877-399-9898. You're listening to Get Connected, brought to you by London Drugs here on the Chorus Radio Network. We'll be back right after this. You're back with Get Connected. Andy Barrar here, filling in for Mike Agarbo, joined in studio with AJ Vickery. AJ, just over the break, I know we were looking to see if you could still buy or get a pager with uh, Telus, and it looks like we couldn't find any information on that. Not yet. Not yet. <laughs> so we're, we're going to keep hunting uh, during the show to see if we can find anywhere that offers pager services. But we're going to jump to the phone line. Apps that you can get for your iPhone. That's right. There are <laughs> pager apps. That's very true. We're going to jump to Ursula in Maple Ridge. Ursula, are you there? Yes, I'm here. What can we do for you? Listen, I'm, I'm totally blind. I've been looking for years for a phone so I could, <clears throat> you know, use the icons with, with uh, voice control. Is I... there such a thing on the market? Because when I go to the stores, they're, they're not very helpful because <laughs> they're not interested in me um, because I'm 72 years old. Well, that's an excellent question that uh, Ursula has. She's blind, and she's looking basically for a smartphone. Now, I know within the iPhone, they have the accessibility features that basically can help people who are visually impaired and blind. Um, I don't know how much that is on the Android side. I've seen most of the accessibility features within the the iPhone, so I would probably recommend going that route. But what you're going to need is you're going to need somebody that's going to help you uh, with step-by-steps on how to both set up those features and then how to use them on a day-to-day basis because there, it will take a bit of a learning curve, but they do have that technology inside the iPhone. It's one of those hidden secrets that a lot of people don't know about. 
Okay, we're gonna keep on the phone boards. Let's jump to Jack in Surrey. Jack, are you there? Yeah. Hi. How's it going? Good. What can we do for you? Okay, so uh, I'm old and uh, don't know nothing about computers, but we bought a new one, and uh, we want to hook up our Bluetooth. Uh, we have a, a keyboard and the mouse. You know, it was Bluetooth, and now with the new one, we can't get uh, those two features to to work. But it worked on my ten-year-old computer, right? Uh, what what new computer did you buy? Um, I think it's a um, it's supposed to be uh, wireless. It's uh, I don't I think it's an Acer. I paid about uh, nine hundred bucks for it, right? And it's a it's a it's a not a laptop but a desktop. No, yeah, it's a desktop. Yeah. Okay, and the the Bluetooth computer or Bluetooth keyboard you have, what model is that? It's the same kind, Acer. Okay, Acer. Well, the thing about Bluetooth is that um, um, in some cases, in devices, they build in a Bluetooth receiver. Um, in a lot of uh, laptops, they automatically build it in because they know that there's going to be connectivity to Bluetooth devices. Uh, in some cases, when you have a keyboard and a mouse, it used, there, there would have been a dongle, a little Bluetooth receiver that would have been in the back of your old computer. So that dongle um, uh, that was in the back of the old computer... Um, needs to go into the new computer. And then if you've already done that, then, then you're just having a tech issue with it recognizing what that is, uh, what you need to go through. But if you haven't actually brought the Bluetooth connectivity device, the actual receiver that can communicate uh, wirelessly using the Bluetooth uh, technology, um, you're going to need to do that. Yes, and you'll, you can tell if you have Bluetooth if in the bottom right corner, you'll be able to see a little Bluetooth sign. That'll tell you that it, it's built in. If not, you can go to a London Drugs and buy the dongle, and it'll give pretty much any computer Bluetooth access. Mm-hmm. Another thing you want to uh, take into note is Bluetooth as a technology has been getting better over the years. When it first came out, AJ, it was really unreliable. You would, you would have a hard time getting connections. Uh, the connection would break. It would drain your battery. But they've got the standard right now is Bluetooth 4, and it's using uh, low battery emission. So you could have devices hooked up to you know, Bluetooth, and it will last for a long time, whereas before the batteries would just drain away. So you might want to look into perhaps if you have that Bluetooth receiver on the desktop, might want to look into trying to get uh, maybe a new Bluetooth keyboard that's using Bluetooth 4 technology, which should give more reliable connection and stable connection as well. Oh, by the way, I've got a, a pager update. Oh, you do? <laughs> yes. For all those budding technology people out there that want a pager, uh, you can find a pager uh, still in operation. There's a few companies that still provide the service. One I came across here in Canada is pagenet.ca. Uh, That's P-A-G-E-N-E-T.ca. There you go. Excellent. So uh, pagers are still, still out there. Still uh, used quite a bit in, uh, like you said, in hospitals. Okay, we're going to jump to the phone lines again. We have Nicole in North Van. Nicole, are you there? Yes, I'm right here. I'd like to know how come you guys don't... uh uh, talk about digital radio too much. Is it because it's not a priority? By digital, you mean satellite radio or internet radio? No, no, uh, digital radio. So digital, where is the actual radio f- coming from? From like AM, FM signals or are you talking yeah, about? Yeah, partly, partly and motion uh, like DAB. It didn't, it didn't go off the ground very, uh, very well. Okay. It's called Airica. It didn't, it didn't, it didn't take off very well. Yeah, so radio is an interesting thing. You know, um, AJ, a lot of people are are still listening to radio, but they're using other means. You know, smartphones 
this show, you know, you can listen to through the Chorus radio app. I and, know. And it sounds fantastic. There's also, you know, Sirius uh, Satellite Radio, which a lot of people still subscribe to. Uh-huh. But, um, yeah, I, I'm not really sure what you're talking about in terms of, of digital radios. You know, they, they still have, of course, you can still buy AM, FM radios out there. But more of them are trying to connect to the Internet to give people access to thousands and thousands of different radio stations that are you out think, there. Uh, you think uh, NW will ever be on the FM band? Um, probably, that's a good question. Yeah, I <laughs> often wonder that myself. You know, if you're really struggling um, um, with the AM reception, um, you could always uh, um, listen, like we said, through some of the newer technologies, um, either through the app that's available on the... the... Know, but do you think, uh, you think NW will ever uh, be on FM band? Unfortunately, we don't know that. Yeah, it's hard to tell. I know the AM frequency actually does better in terms of longer distances, so maybe that's why uh, it's still around, but uh, that's, a, that's a good question. We'll have to look into that. Okay. We're going to have to take a break. When we come back, we're going to take more of your tech calls and questions. The number is 604-280-9898. Calling toll-free across Canada, 1-877-399-9898. You're listening to Get Connected, brought to you by London Drugs here on the Chorus Radio Network. We'll be back right after this. You're back with Get Connected. Andy Barrar here filling in for Mike Agabo. Join in studio with AJ Vickery. We're going to hit the phone boards. We only have a couple minutes left. We're going to try to get as many as we can. Let's go with Nancy in New West. Nancy, are you there? Hi, guys. Um, just some first-hand experience for your quest- conversation with Ursula about the uh, what kind of a phone for a blind person to use. Yep. I would definitely encourage her to go with the iPhone. That's what I ended up getting after several we- uh, days of searching and asking people. Mm-hmm. But she needs to make sure that the phone she chooses is a number and then F. So she needs to make sure it's a 5S or a 4S or whatever the new one happens to be when she goes shopping. And sorry, did you say S's and Sam? S's and Siri, yes. Yeah. Because Siri is the part that makes it talk. Okay. And do not let her telephone provider talk her into anything else. I got talked into uh, Nexus by Telus, mm-hmm. and the Nexus may be a fabulous phone. My daughter absolutely loves hers, but for a blind person, it is impossible to use. Mm. Very good feedback. Uh, well, and um, also, I don't know where she was calling from, but if she's anywhere near Surrey Central Mall, there is a uh, Best Buy Mobile, which is not connected with the store. It's a separate Best Buy location near the um, Surrey Central SkyTrain entrance. The people there have now dealt with two of us blind people buying phones, and they really know their stuff in there, and they will work with her until she finds something that works. Fantastic. That's fantastic. I really appreciate you calling and, and letting us know. I, I did think the iPhone was the best solution. I've never seen those features inside of Android, so I'm, I really appreciate you calling. The S3 and the S4 can do it. My other daughter has an S3, and I played with hers a bit, yeah. but it's not as intuitive as the iPhone. Okay, perfect. Thank you. Thanks, Thanks Nancy. Bye. Yeah, fantastic. Let's jump to Ozzy in Vancouver. Ozzy, you there? Hi, guys. Uh, I, I agree with you about the larger phone. I have an iPhone right now, and I'm thinking to switching to Nexus or to the HTC. Now, I heard Mike Agabo recommending the Nexus. I was just wondering what you think about the new HTC. Well, good questions. You know, um, Andy, why don't you take it? Well, AJ, I know, I remember when the Nexus came into our studios and you were looking at it and you're like, oh, I'd love to try it out. And I had just finished reviewing it after about two weeks. Yeah. And I, I remember telling you, I'm like, 
AJ, once you try this, you're never going to want to go back yeah. to another phone. Uh, the ACC One, fantastic phone. It has a, a great speaker system. It's probably got one of the loudest speakers out there. Yeah. It's running on Android, but it's got a completely different type of interface, whereas the Nexus is, like you mentioned before, AJ, is using yeah. KitKat, yeah. and it's so clean. That's what I like about it. As, as an Android operating system, it's that vanilla. It's, it's, been, it's built by Google, yeah. so you don't have that what they call bloatware, where it's like Samsung would put these apps in it. I got to say, like uh, the, the, the Nexus the, that's running the KitKat, so it has the operating system. It's integrated with Google now, yes. and that is just a fantastic application built into the, the phone. So essentially, you know, what, what it does for me is if I've got a meeting that I've scheduled in my computer, you know, with my Outlook or whatever, it, it syncs with my phone that the computers, most phones do that. It, then it gives me a notification, hey, AJ, you need to get in your car and start driving because the appointment you're going to in 20 minutes has traffic on the route that you're going to get there. So you need to have a little more time. I'm like, are you, is my phone telling me this right it's now? It's pretty amazing. Like, and- is that possible? So I was really impressed with the, the sleekness and the f- working of the device. Only thing I would say is the price point's not that much. And I'm a little bit worried about the, um, the, the hardware manufacturing because I actually broke the screen on that phone twice. Twice. So yeah. I'm, I mean, I, maybe I need to put it in a case. But um, I haven't broken a lot of screens on phones, and I broke that one twice. Another thing about KitKat that I really like is when Google built KitKat, they built it to run on 512 megs of RAM on a smartphone. Now, most smartphones have up to 2 gigs of RAM built in. So what you have is an operating system that runs – you know, it doesn't take much processing power, and that's why you notice that on a Nexus, you can even put it on an older phone, and it would still run really fast because yeah. it's not chewing up all the uh, the processing power just to run the operating system. Yeah, and that uh, that Nexus that we're talking about is made by LG. Yes, and so what Google does is they get different manufacturers to make the different Nexus lines um, each year, and it's a fabulous phone. If you're looking for an Android, we both definitely recommend you try it out. Well, we're almost out of time here. Don't forget to head to our website. we got a great contest this week. We're giving away the Mudwatt Fuel Cell Kit. Believe it or not, this is a cool thing. If you have kids, you're going to want to check this out. It's a little device where you put mud inside it, and it will take extract energy from it and light up an LED right on the top. It's a great way to teach kids all about science and technology. Well, that's all the time we have left. Uh, AJ, thank you for co-hosting with me today. Mike Agarbolt will be back next week. And you've been listening to Get Connected, brought to you by London Drugs here on the Course Radio Network. See you again next week.